0: It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. I'm trying to apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone. Welcome to episode 143 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today, I'm joined by professional sports bettor, Neil Shah. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, mate. Uh, say good evening, good morning. I don't know what bloody time it is over there for you, man. I lose track, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's about to
0: hit 8am and what is it, 10 o'clock oh, over my, there, I'm mate, nice. at night. So yeah. we're in two different days. Who would have thought? Crazy. Technology. It's incredible, isn't it?
1: Same shit, different day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right. So today we are as, as, as most of you probably know, I'm not really working for Trademate anymore, but I thought it would be fun every now and then to do a little podcast. Uh, in, so instead of, you know, getting someone on that I've never really met before or you guys listening to someone that's completely new to the podcast, which I love doing, it's great, but all the – it just takes a lot of my time having to, you know, reach out to people. Uh, research them, come up with questions, <clears throat> and and this is just a lot easier for me, and it gets you guys some content. So, um, I guess my plan with this is to every now and then jump on the podcast, the YouTube channel, get a podcast out for you guys, and and I guess talk about more general kind of betting stuff with the likes of Neil, and and you know maybe we can get someone like Anthony to come back on Ryan Jonas. The list goes on of people that have, you know, that I'm, I would call basically mates at this point. So, um, yeah, just makes it a lot easier for me, less time consuming. And you guys get a podcast here and there, which I hope you enjoy. But yeah, unfortunately, you have to see Neil a lot more. Yeah. Sorry
1: about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) So, yeah, today, come up with a few topics uh myself, I'd love to talk about bankroll growth today. Um and then Neil and I have kind of been talking here and there over the last couple of weeks and a couple of things we've just been chatting about is uh is staking and then also uh Neil's got some uh I, I would say a very uh interesting point of view on on tracking bets which I think will will provide a really good discussion and hopefully you guys <clears throat> will enjoy it. So we saved Saved all of our kind of back and forth talking about this on Telegram and saved it for the podcast. So this should be lots of fun, mate. Do you want to start with with bankroll growth, which is one of the things that I wanted to talk about today? Uh, my as, as someone that doesn't have a big bankroll, so I mean, people might my bankroll is about forty thousand Australian dollars, which a lot of people would say is a lot of money, but in terms of like your you know professional sports betters, a lot of people have a bankroll of hundreds of thousands so it's um in the, in the scheme of things it's it's not a very big bankroll my my biggest issue that I have nowadays is I want I want my bankroll to be hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know essentially means you don't have to place as many bets you can really hone in on one sport or one league if you know what I mean like you can really just become really good at one thing and because you're You're betting so much money on it. uh, The whole like making enough money, getting enough turnover in, isn't really an issue anymore. That's, I mean, that's that's my ultimate goal. But at the same time, as a as a full time better, you need to you need to make money too and put it into your actual bank account and not be um, yeah not not just everything you make from sports betting, all your profits, turning that into Uh, just you know expanding your bankroll like you need to take some money out so you can feed the family in a way or pay rent if you get what I mean so my biggest question around this for you mate is I guess what's what's your process nowadays you've been doing this for what well over over a year now what do you have any kind of process um, as to yeah you make a certain amount of money you put it in your bank account or do you dedicate it to having a bigger bankroll
1: yes it's it's a really interesting topic and i'm sure you know a lot of people you know watching this will have their own sort of methods of of doing it um for myself personally i mean i kind of started out you know separating bank accounts um you know keeping kind of the 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 betting bank separate um but again like you say you know we we have expenses you know so for, for me when i was in qatar um the overheads were actually pretty high, you know, in terms of, um, again, you know, sort of paying for rent, you know, paying for, um, you know, just day-to-day living, and also, you know, again, if you if you're subscribing to lots of things, you know, if if you're fortunate enough, you know, if you create your own models, if you kind of do your own work, and you don't you don't necessarily need to do all that, but for me, it's kind of um, that investment of, of you know subscription services, which save a lot of time. Um, they're worth. the time is worth more than the expense um so yeah it's a challenge so every month i know kind of roughly what my kind of minimum expenditure needs to be so i don't have a necessarily a profit target that i hit but i kind of ideally want to be making that as a minimum um or at least let's say over a three-month period you know to kind of comfortably um you you know pay all of that so um at this point, it's kind of mixed in because, again, we like um, just through personal circumstances, we've moved countries. There's been a lot of expenses, you know, just kind of travelling back. Um, now my daughter's in nursery. Um, but the cost of fuel, uh, which was like you know a couple of quid in Qatar, and it's like a hell of a lot more here. Um, so that that's a kind of uh, practical challenge. Um, what I found is kind of bankroll growth has been was was. If not rapid, but you know, quicker definitely in the first year. Um, and although there can be times where, where it's bigger now, there's there's limitations. You know, there, there's there are caps on these markets. This isn't the financial uh, market, You know, we, 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 you know you there's only so many, especially you know if you got like kind of top tier football or cricket. Um, you know, or the major horse sit down. Uh, you know, the soft books, there's only so much you can stake. So even when you do have a huge edge, um, a lot of times you can't maximise it. And so bankroll growth won't be as fast as, um, you know, in an ideal scenario, in a theoretical scenario. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely, definitely a challenge. Um, and I think we mentioned before, let's say, you know, just on trademate stuff, you know, I think I, think I kind of rolled over my bankroll about seven times. Um, but then it got absolutely decimated. So I've kind of had to kind of claw back from there. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a challenge. I mean, like you've said before, other guests have said as well, it's, it's um, the issue, once you kind of understand the betting theory and, and you know, you, you've done a bit of research and, and you, you, know, you get to listen to all these podcasts, it, it, it's not finding the value, it's actually getting the bets down um, to, to maximise that growth. Um, and that becomes a challenge, I think, you, you, where probably a lot of people will hit a, a ceiling. So I'll give you an example. Like you know, now I'm doing the, um, you know, doing a lot of shop betting. You know, if if you if you win more than a thousand pounds on an individual bet on a horse race, uh, the if the potential payout is more than a thousand, they generally need to flag it up. They need to call their head office, um, you know, their risk management team so Obviously, if you keep doing that, they're gonna Kind of clock onto you, you're less likely to prolong your experience there. So that's, um, again, a compromise you need to make. Obviously, if you've got, you know, let's say two or three paddy powers in the same town, uh, you could kind of hammer all of them, but then prices might change before you get to all of them. Um, That might just flag you up even more because, you know, they can recognize your handwriting and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, So, again, you know, sometimes there's huge boosts today. Example of um, there was a uh, Georgia Sweden game, um, big edge on that on William Hill. But you know, the max stakes you can get is 50 quid on that. So, unless you've got dozens of accounts or you can hit lots of shops to, to get that, um, it, it's going to be slow. You know, it's, it, even with all the, the best edges in the world, um, it's going to be kind of slower than, than ideal.
0: Yeah, so you don't really have a set system at the moment where you go. I don't know. Maybe every month you look at your bankroll and go, "All right, I've made ten thousand dollars this month. Five thousand goes towards the bankroll, and five thousand goes into my pocket for you know rent, rent, food, holidays. You know what I mean?"
1: Um, yeah, basically, I uh, kind of you know w- what needs to be deducted gets deducted you know as of, um, i do kind of you know look at my profits and i try to put let's say 10 percent of any profit made in a quarter so i try not to go by month uh because you know i can have sort of big swings month to month um so I, I like to kind of you know let's say over a 90 day period that smooths out some of the variance. um and so what i do is again i try and diversify some of that so um you know i I invest in crypto, so I kind of side into you know crypto I'm investing a little bit of the betting profit back into that or a lot of the time the, the money kind of keeps getting recycled you know into other accounts um, again you know kind of running accounts helping people out with that um so it, it can be hard to, to keep track of because I'm not the most organized of people either so that that is a challenge um but yeah I, I don't set sort of specifics on that but that's something definitely I want to look into like um for next year but i mean what about yourself what what, what how, how do you kind of do you have a kind of target in mind or yeah i guess i mean the main reason i brought this up is because i
0: just don't really have a system at the moment and i think i could um and it's one of those things i think about like do i want to you know in a year's time two years time from now do i still want to have a forty thousand dollar bankroll and just I I don't know. Just keep it going the way I am, like not making as much money, but then at least like everything that I make is is going into my, you know, and and maybe that's a maybe that's almost like a a better life in a way, if you get what I mean. Like if you're constantly just trying to grow your bankroll, and, and you're not taking much away for your for your actual bank account, then is that a is that a great lifestyle yeah it's probably going to be a grind for a for a, for a period of time if you're just if you're just in reinvesting everything that you make because your your life quality is not really getting better um but yes you're growing a bankroll so i mean one of the thoughts that i've had recently is like what if i just like you know sacrifice my life quality <laughs> essentially for like a year mm. or so and only take out the money that's going to pay for, for food, rent, all this kind of stuff um, and, you know, other expenses and then reinvest everything else. So, you know, you might not have a, be able to go to bloody Spain on a holiday or whatever or, or whatever, um, but at least like if you just grind out the next couple of years you could take that 40 grand to to 100 grand or something like that and next thing you know like you're operating with a 100 grand bankroll and then maybe at that point um, you can operate with a 100 grand bankroll for like the rest of your betting career and everything that you everything that you make from that goes straight into your your back pocket and i mean if you're getting lots of turnover in off a off that kind of bankroll like you know and and you've got a decent ROI like you're gonna you're gonna have a good life like you're gonna be earning way over minimum wage so
1: but what yeah. would stop you from so so let's say you say all right I want to get 100k bankroll but what would stop you once you have that 100k bankroll from saying actually you know what I want to have a 200k bankroll I want to yeah. get to 500 I want to have a million dollar (laughs) bankroll because I suppose that's where everyone's different and everyone wants to, they'll have their own sort of target. I guess, let's say, you know, if you're saving for a house um, or you want to retire early, you know, people have, you know, there's different standards of living and people are going to be listening to this in different parts of the world, right? So, you know, let's say I live in London and uh, I mean, it's just mental, you know, like just the cost of living here. So the target you'd need would be quite significant, but like you say, you know, it's quality of life thing. Some people, you know, that that you know, it's the the kind of the, the money takes over everything. But um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you. You know, you, I think life is also to be enjoyed. And if you're doing this, the whole point, I think, a lot of us are doing this. Whole point, a lot of people listening to this, uh, they want to escape this kind of nine to five grind, and they kind of you know maybe you know, want to be their own boss and work less ultimately. But I think that's the danger, you know, and I'm sure, I mean, let's say, you know, all the guests that you've spoken to on the podcast, I mean, let's say, how many hours a week would you say they work on average? Let's say if you sort of, you know, let's say out of all the guests that you've spoken to as an average. I mean,
0: I feel like a lot. I feel like a lot of the people that I talk to, like, work way more than your average nine to five worker would like you know most people work 40 hours a week but I mean I feel like most sports bettors professional sports bettors work way over that and I mean you can almost because a lot of them are working on Saturdays and Sundays like that's you know if you're working a normal job on a Saturday and Sunday you get pay and a half or double time or whatever so you can almost like look at that and say well you know maybe they only work thirty hours Monday to Friday or whatever. But because they're working thirty hours then on the weekend, like that's almost like a you know, double time that and a half because, you know, that's your weekend, then, you know, maybe it's it's roughly averages out to, you know, seventy hours or something like that. So Yeah.
1: And these know, are I, these are people huge bankrolls as well, right? So in theory, yeah. they they don't necessarily need to do it. But I think you you that that's where it's kind of hard to but a stopping point because if you're if you're good at it and you enjoy it you know, it doesn't feel like work but also once you're used to a certain kind of um if you set these expectations you know what you kind of need to, not even what you need to live on but what you want to generate each month it's kind of hard to to kind of drop back or just kind of settle for you know okay this is this is enough and i'll just kind of you know go with this mm-hmm.
0: And then, and then there's the other argument of like you could just grind for for ten years, let's just say, and and have a huge bankroll, work sixty seventy hours a week, sacrifice basically ten years of your life, or maybe you just love sports betting, and, and you know this is just, a, I mean I like sports betting, but I don't want to be doing it seventy hours a week, and then yeah. and then you know at the end of you know ten ten years you don't have to work anymore for the rest of your life, basically. I mean, I would say an example of that is, I mean, I don't know how much money he's made, but like Jonas, you know, he 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 grinded hard for like, I don't know, when he started, probably like early, probably like, you know, maybe seven, eight years ago, something like that. Um, and he's... He worked extremely hard for years and years and years, and now he's at the point where he's moved to Thailand and he's he's kind of taking it easy now and not doing not putting as many hours in. But you know, he he it, maybe that that's another strategy in itself. I guess we're highlighting here is that you can you can yeah set a period of time where you kind of sacrifice everything, but. The The long-term goal is, like, by the time you're 30 or 35 or 40, the for the rest of your life, you don't have to worry about it anymore and you can just, you know, basically be retired.
1: Yeah, yeah no, for sure. I mean, there's different ways, absolutely. It's just whatever suits your situation. And I suppose the other thing is, you know, how much are you making from from betting, like, you know, what is your yield, kind of, you know, what, what is your ROI, and at a certain point, let's say, if you do make enough, could you invest it into property, You know, invest mm. it into a rental property, for example? And, you know, as much fun as it is, we know about variance. We know that, you know, that you could have brutal days, brutal months. Um, I suppose all of us would want something kind of maybe something secure in the background. And that's why a lot of people, even though they could go full time, they don't. They choose not to, um, even though they have the skills. Again, for that kind of security. So, I mean, definitely, you know, that's one way of looking at it is diversifying. So, I think that that's something I kind of look at in terms of profits that I take out. I don't necessarily, um, you know, there's a little bit, you know, going towards, you know, a holiday every now and again. You know, if there's a big win, if there's a kind of, you know, a better than average month, um, me personally, you know, I'd want to, instead of investing all of it back into the bankroll, I do want to take some out. I do want to, you know, treat my family. Have a nice time, enjoy life a little bit, because ultimately that's that's why I'm doing it. You know, it's not um, it's not about you know kind of twenty four seven grind all the time. It's um, because then it's just replacing hard work, you know, nine to five with an employer where you get a pension and you get other benefits, um, but yeah. you end up working far more. So it, it's a fine balance, definitely. But I think definitely, you know, what we were saying as well about market caps you know that that's the other challenge yeah there's i think you know with yourself with me with others as well there's strategies where potentially you could make a limitless amount of money but bookmaker restrictions get in the way you know market limits get in the way liquidity gets in the way um so again it's just trying to find that balance
0: yeah, mate. I feel like we haven't really come up with any answers for anyone. We yes, haven't come to any yes, conclusion. <laughs> but I think that just shows that, like, uh, yeah, we both haven't really figured this out yet. Uh, I think maybe if we can yeah. give anyone anyone some like parting advice on this topic, it's just maybe come up come up with a plan, like come up with a yeah some kind of plan or goals like yeah. how you want to go about this do you want to sacrifice a period of your life for long-term gain do you want to just have it have a smaller bankroll and have a greater life quality that you're still kind of half grinding for the rest of your life you know what i mean like so um yeah maybe we can maybe we can come up with plans for ourselves over the coming months and, and and get back to everyone and see what we've come up with but at the moment yeah at least for myself and it sounds like you too it's very much like taking it how it comes and and kind of for me at least it's basically just 50 50 ish kind of like putting enough in my bank account so that I can have a little bit of fun and pay all the bills but then reinvesting the other half into into sports betting and having a bigger bankroll um, yeah 100%. Oh,
1: one thing I, yeah I would add to that is probably uh, there's a book on my Reading lists, there's many now, uh, but there's a new one by um Joseph Bukdal, you know, like a really respected mind in betting. Um, and that does talk about kind of you know different Monte Carlo simulations and um, you know, how you might manage your bankroll growth. And that's something definitely I want to look at maybe for another podcast, Alex. We could do a maybe a review of the book when I finally get around to uh, yeah. to reading is it that as well. so, Monte Carlo or Bust is that what it's called? Something that's like? the one, yeah, yeah. That's he's
0: only just brought that out, right?
1: Yeah, it's his it's his latest book, so that's something definitely to to, to look at. And yeah, if anyone's listening to this, that that'd be worth a read. It's kind of relevant to the topic yeah. we're yeah talking about.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, well, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea, mate. We can do that one day. Um, the problem is, I I'll probably never read it because I can never be fucked reading anything in my life <laughs> when I've been I'll staring it, at a I'll computer you. all day. Yeah,
1: yeah. You just take the clip <laughs> notes from, from yeah from the chat. It's all good. My
0: goal is to read one book a year and the only time I'll ever do that is one on a, a year. If I one can read one book a year. Well mate, I, I don't I, I, I cannot stand reading when I, I I mean I spend hours and hours looking at a computer screen all day. All I want to do is uh when I'm finished, I don't wanna use my eyes anymore basically.
1: <laughs> I wanna well, I give could, them I, I can lend you some of my daughter's books, like you know, they're very hungry caterpillar something. <laughs> you get your quota in quite easily. Yeah,
0: um, All right, next one, tracking bets. This will be fun because yeah. uh, I'm going to give you the floor, mate, because essentially about maybe two weeks ago or something, you told me that you have stopped tracking bets. Now, this is hugely controversial <laughs> and uh, it makes for a very good topic of conversation. So I think it's, we should just start off with you and explain why you have stopped.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give a politician's answer here. So, uh, um, right. So for some some things that I do, I've stopped tracking altogether. Um, and the, the reasons for this, and, and I did give this a lot of thought, and let's say when I first started off, you know, I, I was tracking everything. I was using, um, you know, an online tool to track the bets, closing lines where I could find them. And um, in for the euros as well I was you know making sure I was keeping a record because I was giving tips out to people I wanted it to be transparent um but let's say you know some of the things that are the most profitable for me I don't track them anymore because really for practical reasons it just takes a lot of time and theoretically yes it's great to be able to do it but You know, right now, you know, I mentioned before the pod. So, my my, my daughter hasn't been well, so I have to pick her up from nursery in the afternoon. I get maybe two or three hours in the morning uh, to myself, and then you know, the the evening from like eight o'clock onwards until I go to bed. So, so actually, I I get maybe you know six hours, seven hours. Not because I don't want to work more, but that's all I have, you know, at the moment. So, tracking everything, recording it all the admin would take up, you know, a fair percentage of that time. And although it's important, it's, it's, it's really useful. Um, I've basically, you know, kind of made the decision not to for a lot of things. But one of the reasons is for, for particular things is they're already being recorded. So, you know, there are sites that I use where they have data going back years Um, of all the markets and obviously i'm not necessarily on all of those bets but it gives me a good overall picture of of whether their model whether their uh, their methodology is profitable over time uh, and whether it will you can't say for sure but you know realistically it should be profitable in the future so that gives me a good um, barometer of confidence that i don't necessarily need to do all that work in a way I'm replicating the work that someone else is already doing and they're probably doing it even better than I am because they're more organized than me. They've got you know, Excel spreadsheets or they've got Python scripts to, to pull all this data. Um, so that's something that, uh, again, I've kind of you know forsaken with the American horse racing, for example, you know, there's a sample of almost 20,000 bets, you know, I've been kind of recorded, um, you know, over a two year period. So, I, I don't feel the need to let's say you know my hundreds of bets or you know in the, the small thousands um, I, I suppose what what kind of use that is to me because the other thing is you know in the betting world in betting circles you know we are encouraged to think about this we are encouraged to track bets to kind of record our bets to to do all this but the question I have to ask a lot of people because I'm guilty of this is I have recorded a lot of stuff. How often do you actually look at it? How often do you review it? How often do you kind of play around with the data? Because if you're just recording for recording's sake, it it, it can be a waste of time. Um, you know, if you are recording it, there needs to be a good reason or you know, there needs to be a good use for it. So, you know, if you are spending the time doing the admin to do it, then you should also spend that time each month to actually go over it, review it, play around with it, see where you might have gone wrong, see where you can improve. Um, whereas right now for practical reasons that's not something i'm able to do but where i do track bets is if i'm testing systems if i'm testing new things so for example in the greyhounds there's a, you know a few strategies that i've been kind of working on tweaking um that i want to perfect and again so so that's being tracked but because i am quite lazy and because i find that kind of stuff tedious again there's software that i use to do it so um, you know, for example, Betfair Bot Manager, it tracks those bets. You know, I put the selections in, it can simulate it. Um, there's other software out there that does similar things. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, really what I do. And in terms of tipster services that I follow, I don't follow any tipsters that don't have a good long-term record. So, you know, my vetting process is seeing how they track their bets so in that sense, I don't track them, but I know someone is, um, if that makes sense. And so that's kind of, I suppose that's my thoughts on it. So that might be controversial to some people. Some people might disagree. Um, I know that I'm not getting 100% efficiency from what I'm doing because I'm not refining it. And, um, you know, maybe not delving into the data as much as I should do, but um, there's only so much time in the day. So that's really the, the primary reason. How long have you been doing this for? As in not tracking things or... Yeah. Um, I suppose... I think with the American horse racing, um, probably about three or four months in, I just thought, this is a great edge. It it works. Uh, Every month it's in profit. Um, And I've I've checked, you know, it hasn't been in profit. And, And, you know, every single month without fail, it is. So I kind of thought, well, I'm tracking it, but what am I tracking it for? I think some of my early data, perhaps I could do. So one thing I noticed was, like, say, short odds, favourites that steam in generally have a negative ROI. So I've avoided those. So I I could get more data on it, but um, I just thought, you know, it it is profitable. I could be more profitable, but is the time, you know, because for me, time is is everything. Just every hour I have free to, to do something, you know, You're a lucky man, Alex, to get this hour out of me. So um, yeah, so it's it's, (laughs) (laughs) so um, so yeah, it's it it it, it's just a compromise in practical terms. Um and, uh, and and that's the thing. So yeah, I I would say again, if if something is going well for let's say you know, um six months or a year, you know any other services in future, I generally don't put that that time in. So that kind of links, let's say, to your service on UFC, on MMA. Like, I know you know what you're doing. I know that you track everything. You're tracking the closing line. You know, you've got a record of all the bets. And I trust, you know, that you're honest with it. And um, that, that's why I think, well, what's the point of me doing it? Because you're doing all that work yourself. So I'm just I'm just replicating it. So is, is there any need for me to put that time in? Because if I'm doing all that admin... I'm, I'm giving myself less time to actually put volume in and actually put bets down, and that's what I need to be doing. So that's just my way of looking at it.
0: Yeah. Um, look, I, I think this is – first, I think this is a terrible idea for someone that's starting betting. Like, this can only be done <laughs> – Yeah, I agree, this, I agree. It should only be done by someone who is at, at your level or, or higher or whatever. I mean – Personally, I could never, I couldn't do it because I just, <clears throat> I know that. I mean, I like you said before. And I think that's a really valuable point. What's the point in tracking your bets if uh, if you're not going to actually go back and analyze them every so often or whatever it is? I actually analyze my results. I don't think you should do it too often because you can then you're getting too uh, short term. Uh, cited or whatever, but um, every couple of weeks I'll just go and have a brief look. Nothing, nothing major, but just to like just so I can keep an eye on like you know different people that send me bits, uh, different uh, markets that I'm betting on with TradeMate, different markets that I'm betting on on the UFC. Like I can just have a quick look, just to. You know, I mean, I spend enough time during the week thinking about all different sorts of things. I don't. I by looking at the results, I can just, I can get a general idea of, you know, whether I should look deeper into it or whether I shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I, I personally could not do what 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 you're saying, just because I, I feel like psychologically, uh, it would it would. I just, I, I don't think I could deal with it if I was going through a downturn. If I couldn't, if I couldn't go through my results and really try and pick out what exactly might be going wrong, or if it's just variance, or you know what I mean, like mm. if, um, if I have, like seriously, mate, at the end of a of the week or the month or whatever, when I when I go in to have a look at some of my results doing all sorts of different things, I could say strategy A is been going really well strategy b's kind of been going okay strategy c i think it's going really badly and when i go and look at the results it can literally be the exact opposite like you can just form yeah, these yeah. these biases in your head that strategy a is fuck. it's going real well at the moment you go look at the results it's like a one percent roi so yeah okay you're winning but you're not like a you know you're not you're not going uh, incredibly well so that's that I mean that's why I could never never do it. Because one, I know I form biases in my head with with no like with no actual figure around it. Like I need to go look at the figure to confirm that what I'm thinking in my head. And secondly, uh yeah, if I go through a downturn, like it would just it would it would kind of drive me nuts to to not know what what strategy is letting me down, what tips is letting me down. Uh, what one of the people that I work with, who's sending me bets, is letting me down. If you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, but let's say, would you say that there's a risk that you might have like binned something profitable too early because you're doing this kind of uh, analysis?
0: No, I, I think, I think if anything, because I understand variance that I almost let it go for too long and I just put everything, a lot of the time I put a lot of, yeah. probably there's been a few times where I've just put things down to variance. Um, I mean, I've said this months and months ago, like biggest mistakes that I've made uh, in sports betting and that's like putting trust in, in. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say in the wrong people, but just assuming that if someone is reputable out there or whatever, tipster, professional or whatever that if they're putting something out there that you know th- that it's profitable so um i mean tracking my bets has allowed me to to notice certain people are, are not as great as they say they are etc etc so i oh, did i answer your question what was your question sorry
1: <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember <laughs> 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 um yeah no no, oh, no. basically if, if if you've got rid of like let's say if you've sort of been um you know, tipsters or strategies oh, yeah. too early. But yeah, no, I mean, but, but actually, it is a good point. Let's say with the tracking of bets, which is really important, especially if you're starting out, is, you know, you, you get these grandiose claims by tips, oh, you know, 50 points profit made this week or blah, blah, blah. And the reality is, let's say they're tipping something at, you know, at evens, but you can't get the price yourself. Like ninety percent of the time, so actually, you know, if you're tracking what have you achieved compared to what they've achieved, and if they're kind of mm-hmm. quoting best odds, or you know, in the case of you know some services, let's say the odds have drifted, and you have to cash out your bet and reback it again is that really a fair representation of yeah. you know, the reality of, of, of what you're betting on. So, uh, and again, you know, let's say you know, I'll, I'll give props to Alex because I know he, he's too modest to say himself. But, you know, mm-hmm. for example, in his service, there will be official tips because they're generally available at, at most bookmakers and at similar prices. But there'll be some that are, you know, really good outliers, but let's say only Australian punters will be able to get on them or they're only available at one or two bookies with a boost. So, you know, that's something that that he does um, because, you know, let's say it would be unfair to... Well, at least no, that's what he thinks. That's what I also agree, you know, sometimes it's a bit cheeky to count it as an official play if, you know, most or at least half of your um, members can't actually do that. So I think that's a huge part of tracking bets is, you know, how does it perform in reality compared to what they're promoting? Because especially when all these tipsters are promoting their services, they're obviously going to, you know, give you the, they're going to cherry pick and sugarcoat, you know, the optimal results most of the time, you know, the the best possible policies. They don't, it's very rare you see tipsters who give, you an average price, you know, and, and that's what they're benchmarking or that's what they're publishing in their in their results. So I think tracking in that sense is 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 a is a great thing to do. Yeah, so don't get me wrong, actually no, I, I think it's great. I think we we discussed like um you know there were some uh rugby outliers, you know, and try scorers and, and I know that's something I wasn't necessarily tracking, but they were kind of massive outliers. And you know, there's a few people who send me those. Um, but, you know, credit to Alex, because you, know, you were actually tracking these, um, looking at the figures. Whereas again, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm lazy. I, did, I didn't do it. I was just going to, again, but but for me, again, because there were small stakes, that so they're on a, on a bookmaker, that's already limited. So it was just kind of, um, again, it wasn't a kind of high priority for me, but it was very insightful. Sort of seeing what, what um, you know, how it actually performed for you over a period of time. So I think 100% if you're starting off, if you're at an intermediate level, look, if, if you're even, you know, if, if you're doing well, if you're professional and you know you want to have aims of being professional and you've got the time, it's, it's really worth doing. It, for me, it's just a compromise. I know that I, I, mean, I 100% agree, is in you should, I should, but if it's a case of needing to earn that money, now it's my full time income. If I've only got five or six hours in a day, um, if I'm spending two hours doing admin, then that's two hours less I've got to actually put volume down. Um, so I, I, in a way, I have to kind of have faith in the systems that are that have performed well for me for a long time. Um, but that, that, that in itself is a risk because if things kind of downturn or if you know, the market kind of behavior changes, then um, I haven't spent the time to actually analyze that whereas you know with yourself if if you are kind of as a general rule just tracking everything that you do um you're going to spot that far earlier than i am
0: Mm. yeah i mean i think it's a really interesting topic mate uh yeah i i I mean obviously Mm. we differ on it but i I think yeah the main thing is like uh especially like stuff you said before about following following tipsters like let's just say that every time you 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 know get on a bet that a tipster puts out and you can never get their recommended price and you're just yeah. following their record and you're always taking their minimum odds, then and say they have a five percent ROI. Over a huge sample size, that basically means you're probably getting like a one or two percent ROI, or a zero, or maybe maybe it's maybe it's negative because depending on how you know how small, much smaller the the minimum odds are. So, um, yeah, maybe we can just sum up and say like it's uh, a <clears throat> like this is not something that I would I wouldn't say for you. It's not like you're just I can't be asked kind of thing. It's like you've thought about this. And you've thought, like, if you want to put this into, like, an investment kind of context, like, you're saying that the money that you may lose from not tracking your bets is surpassed by the money that you can make because uh, you've got more time on your hands.
1: Yeah, exactly. The volume I can put in in that time. So I think if you if you kind of treat it as, you know, let's say you're paying yourself an hourly rate, you know, either to do admin or to potentially... Um, you know, let's say I can get a couple of hundred quid of EV, you know, in an hour by actually placing the bets, or I look through, you know, or if I record the data, that's cost. I see it as a cost, you know, it's a time cost, um, because, you know, for, for that purpose. But, you know, uh, again, but I think it, Ad, Adam, um, Adam Cheng talked about this as well, right? Because I do remember when you spoke to him in the podcast, he said he doesn't necessarily track. His bets are much easier. What what exactly did he say? I can't remember the
0: specific. He may have said that, but I I remember him. I remember him saying that he doesn't do write ups for his um for his followers on you know whatever tip he puts out on the football. He doesn't say why. He just puts out and says one unit on Arsenal to beat whoever, um, and doesn't explain why. Which you know, to be honest, most of the tips is that I have followed or still follow like I'd never really read their write-ups like
1: yeah it's if, true. I think if you're having doubt. to
0: read their write-ups to like get confirmation that you think it's a good bet then I think you're not really f- you don't have full trust in them anyway like I don't think you know yeah. <laughs> any I could convince you to bet on anything mate to be honest like with a nice write-up anyone could but, yeah, mate. Um, I,
1: I don't read any of your write-ups on UFC. I literally yeah, could and be I like... fucking hate
0: doing them because I feel like no one listens. <laughs> to it. I feel like it it's could be like, like... <laughs> it's something that I feel like it's something you have to like have to do because yeah, everyone. Basically it's kind of part of the,
1: the process. I mean, even like I, I you know I was I, for the Euros bet. I started doing all these detailed write-ups and probably <laughs> for about two thirds of the way through, and then I thought no one's bloody reading these. No one actually cares. Um, yeah but the reason i was doing it in the beginning was kind of like if there was a losing bet i could look back and think if i yeah. went over or if anyone read the write up is a solid argument for for why i'm i'm posting this as a tip so even if it loses people could look at it and think okay no it was um there was a, there was a rationale for it but yeah again at, at the end of the day you, you know you do kind of you do kind of skip it so for me again like you know horse racing, golf, UFC, they're not sports I follow. I'm not that interested in yeah. um, this because I'm, I haven't got the passion for those sports, but I've got um, trust in, you know, who's doing the tips. I know that you know, you've done the research, you're watching the videos, you're going through all of that. Um, and, you know, occasionally, I, I, you know, I'll read one because it'll be interesting and, uh, you know, just Go to on. see how someone... I think when I first start following tipsters... I like to see how they write because as a writer myself, it's just interesting to pick up, um, you know, let's say the language they use, how they structure it. I I learn, let's say, how I should research my own bets by how other people write up theirs. So I think that is a useful exercise, at least initially, for myself. Uh, But maybe, you know, there's people listening to this who love the actual write-ups. There are services out there where I don't necessarily bet straight on the tips but um i like their write-ups maybe i can give a shout out to you know without betting um you know their their service because because actually that gives interesting angles for trading so sometimes you can use these write-ups you know in in a different uh, different kind of way as well um but yeah i'm 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 so happy you
0: haven't i'm so happy you haven't read some of my write-ups mate i i I read (laughs) them afterwards sometimes i'm like linguistically if I was reading this uh, I would I would think this guy could possibly have some kind of mental retardation because you know
1: you guys can't, can't speak English yeah there, so. I, I couldn't agree more like, <laughs> I, I look
0: at my write-ups because essentially what I do after I've uh, done research on a fight is I will go into my excel spreadsheet and like write down exactly how I think the the fight will go and it's just me and my thoughts so like I basically just copy and paste that into my reasoning for a bit. <laughs> and to people, like, if they've got no idea about betting or UFC, they must read it and go, what the hell is this bloke writing about? But I'll uh... – uh, I mean, I've thought about just saying I'm not going to do it anymore, but I'll just keep it going for a bit longer until people believe that I'm actually good at this.
1: <laughs> I suppose then, you could you could just do a, you could do a week where you do no write ups and see if anyone messages to say where's the write ups gone. Yeah, and if no one true. says anything, then yeah, you know, you tell who's yeah. reading it. It's a good idea, mate.
0: Um, all right, last topic for today. We're going to talk about staking. We've already gone pretty long, so hopefully this doesn't uh hopefully this isn't too long for everyone. But I mean we're just uh you know, we we just talk, mate, and you know, it just it just flows. Yeah, we ramble on a little bit, but you know, deal with it. I say. Um <laughs> yeah. staking so, you're not paying so, for it, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I mean, staking, huge topic. <clears throat> we could talk about this for hours and hours, but um yeah, what, I mean, I think this is something that you wanted to talk about, mate. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe you can make it a bit more specific and we can go from there.
1: Yeah, so actually, uh, I suppose related to your service and maybe more general point. So I'm quite interested when, um, let's say, something has tipped up and, and someone is saying, you know, you should be staking one unit, three units, five units or max stake. Uh, I suppose how... How, how, how they come to that conclusion so I suppose yeah let's say with your um, UFC bets kind of what's your kind of criteria how 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 are you kind of looking to to, to stake in that sense
0: yeah there's no real like set formula I would just say I mean most of it's just done in my head and and just experience uh using the Kelly criterion uh doing stuff like uh, betting to win one unit. I mean, no, some people do flat staking too. I think it's just using all of my experience on like, I I, I try and implement Kelly, but in a unit kind of shape. If you get what I mean, yeah. like I I used to 100. do bet to win one unit, but for me it wasn't. I don't think it was. It wasn't giving me the the same. It wasn't giving me the best results betting to win one unit because it really doesn't make sense to. Let's just say you've got two different bets, both at two in odds. One at, let's just say, two in odds and one at 2.2. The two in odds, both bets true odds are 1.8, let's just say. So you've got one that's at 2.2, one at two, both at 1.8 true odds. It makes no sense to bet the exact same or a less amount, I would say, if you're doing betting to win one unit. For me, it makes no sense to bet the to bet less on the 2.2 like you should be however whatever it is but you should be betting more on on the 2.2 than the two because it's a much bigger edge so that's something that I've incorporated probably in the last two or three months is trying to do some kind of Kelly on on everything that I bet and I understand it's incredibly hard to do but if you do know what the true odds are uh, or an estimation of the true odds like I know that all of my uh, my UFC best that I put on that I will never get the true odds right in terms of the closing line, but I'm always in the range. Like yeah. <laughs> people don't understand that like there's a huge difference between a, uh, let's just say, a 10% chance of something happening, which would represent 10 in odds, and an 8% chance in something. That's like a, I don't even know, that is, like 13 or 12 or whatever in odds. Um Like it's a two percent difference, but it's actually quite it's huge in in terms of. And if and if you can like, um, if you can figure that out in your head to 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 the point where you can go, yeah, that's a nine point five percent chance, or that's a twenty three point five percent chance of happening. Like you're an absolute genius because I cannot do that. Like I have to, I have to give myself a range because, um, yeah, I I cannot because betting is about you know probabilities and probabilities that are like down to finite percentages so um it's it's almost impossible to do if you come up with like an exact number it's it's impossible to come up with the true odds um unless you're using some kind of model or something like that uh so yeah in terms of staking i guess i just have a general i try and use a mix of kelly so uh figuring out what are the odds? Uh, using the odds and and the probabilities of of that happening. So, if um, you know, if it's something in the range of like one point eight to to two point three, let's just say in odds, uh, and something around those odds, like I'm probably like because it's a a good chance of happening. I'm probably going to stake somewhere between three to five units. And when I say like, this is on a scale of one to five. So if you're doing a five unit bet, it's like basically 2% of your bankroll, let's just say. So if it's like around that range, my smallest bet would be two units and it would have to be a pretty small edge to, to be betting two units. Mm. Um, and then the bigger the edge gets, the the more units I'm happy to place on it. It's pretty hard to explain, mate, but um, essentially it's like figuring out like how big how big of a chance is this of happening, and how far away are the odds from that happening? So it's essentially using Kelly criterion, but in a more dumbed down form. Just because I've I've realised over time that betting to win one unit or or flat staking everything it um it it doesn't reap the same the same benefits as for me kelly or a a variation of kelly
1: yeah no 100 percent. i think that makes a lot of sense but do you find that you know realistically you're able to put down the kind of the unit sizes you want or are you constrained by market limits sometimes
0: yeah i mean i've only like my max bet is like 750 to a thousand dollars so it's like you know most of the time it's it's pretty easy to to get that down so yeah no for me i haven't encountered any problems as of yet but i understand that like you know for some people or maybe for myself in the future if my bankroll gets big enough that you know that's a that's a problem that you know you've got to encounter but i think like i don't know especially on the this ufc mma kind of markets there's the great thing is like even the prop markets you can get or at least in australia here you can get lots of money down go to the shops like you can get thousands yeah. down, like a bookmaker like top sport um I know that you can you know bet to win ten grand uh if if you bet close enough to the fight starting, so um yeah. as long as as long as my stakes don't start get getting cut, like I don't think that'll be, ever be a big
1: issue I think that's but yeah that that's the challenge for for me again, if I was kind of um it's really interesting what you say about let's say staking to win units because essentially that's what i'm doing with my racing stuff um i've only started i've started doing that now because i kind of want to see um you know if that kind of smooths out some of the variance. because i've noticed um where let say i haven't done that I've kind of maybe potentially sacrificed some profit so it'd be interesting to see but again that's because there's kind of specific market limits so it makes sense if, if you can only win a 1,000, um, you know, on an individual bet at, at a shop, then uh, uh, if the edge is kind of similar. So let's say, you know, there's the, the, the edge on the horse is between 10 12 percent, um, you know, then I will stake a bit more aggressively to, to you know, to win that unit. Um, on one of the other races, but again, yeah, there's kind of pros and cons to to each, and I think, like you say, you know, bankroll growth is gonna is gonna change depending on that. That's something I want to see over the next month or two. Um, so I'm kind of experimenting with that. What you know, let's say, Are a couple you tracking of shops it, mate. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I will be, I will be tracking that. Um, yeah, to be, but to be honest, what what I will be in terms of tracking it would be kind of overall take, kind of PNL for the day. And as but as much as possible, I will see. So, so I think from January, I'll um you know I'll I'll look to refine that even even more. Um, yeah, because yeah, because it is really interesting. I think in Australia, you know, like you say, you've got kind of decent limits for a lot of things, but then yeah, eventually you reach that market cap with the staking, Um, and even with Kelly, you know, you've got to kind of round it sometimes. You know, just so it doesn't look too obvious what you're doing. Um, and then I don't know in terms of what you know if you're using like quarter kelly or um, yeah I mean it, it's yeah. all in
0: my head just because I've used quarter kelly or 30% kelly on trade but yeah, yeah. that I understand like oh, I'm still here um, I understand mm-hmm. what um, yeah kind of what stakes you put on various edges and uh, depending on your bankroll yeah. and and, uh, and odds too so
1: yeah, I mean, we'll, uh... there are like, because um, obviously we are advocates of Kelly, you know, a lot of people we we speak to, a lot of people on the podcast are, you know, it, it is very popular for a reason. It's not necessarily a perfect system, though, you know, that that's worth, it's, it's important to kind of mention. And that's why we, you know, we use a kind of modified version of it. If you were to stake full Kelly, you know, you could take huge risk with your bankroll. Um, yeah, but, and there are other staking systems out there. Personally, I don't use them, but you know, people use things like the Fibonacci. There's a Whitaker system, you know, that I've read about as well. Um, there's kind of modifications on it, so it's it's not the kind of be all and end all. But I think in terms of so what you do, what I do is it's, it's um, if not simple, it's a very clear way of trying to define your edge if you're confident on what the true odds should be. Um, but that's the key, you know, with a lot of things, it's hard to find those true odds. But if you've got to that kind of stage where you've seen lots of these markets, you generally, as long as you've got that range, right, you, um, yeah, you can have a fair idea.
0: It's hard to give out really any like definitive advice on how to, how to do Kelly in your head. Cause it's all just experience and, and repetitions yeah. and understanding, understanding the market. So yeah, I, I'm sorry if anyone listening is like, well, you know, this is great. That you're doing this, but like I don't really understand how to do it. And I mean, maybe maybe betting to win one unit is like the the easiest thing to do. But I've just noticed, like I mean, yesterday was a great example of a of a bet on the UFC where, um, I mean, top sports taking the market down because they got the odds so wrong. But uh essentially, uh, there was a fighter at two point two as the prop market fighter was at two point two and uh, the other fighter was at 1.6 or something like that. And and essentially the odds were the wrong way around. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a mistake, like an actual technical error. It was just like it's all kind of a lot of the UFC stuff's a bit automated. Like they just look at stats and, and records and yeah. stuff like that and not the actual uh, attribute to the fighters. So um, like that 2.2 bet, I had the true odds at like 1.6 or 1.7, you know, in, in the past, I would have put maybe, let's just say, bet to win $500. I would have put $400, let's just say, on it. Um, but now I'm like, fuck that. Like, that is a huge edge. I'm putting yeah. 750 bucks on that or my max bet, whatever that is. Like, um, the amount of EV in that is just is huge. And, okay, sure, it might lose, whatever. But, I mean... To, to to not max bet that i think is you know that they're the, like the biggest edges you'll ever see like i mean a lot of the stuff we're doing nowadays i mean i, I can't really speak for you but like you know we're talking about a lot of the stuff on trademates like two three four percent edges maybe like the usc stuff i'll find a yeah. five to ten percent edge most of the time like if you can find a i, I can't do the maths but we're talking about like <laughs> double figures, 20, 30, 40 plus edge. Like, mate, you have to maximise that as, as best as possible.
1: Yeah, oh, completely. Yeah, 100% agree. But I, I suppose that the thing is, is, let's say, if you're using Pinnacle or Top Sport or the exchanges, then you can't do that quite aggressively. But mm. I suppose that's where you would have to compromise on some of the soft books. If you're just hammering the shit out, you know, one of these lines, that's that's kind of, you know, an instant... You know, gobbing if you win that. So that's mm. I suppose that's the the thing to factor in. Yeah.
0: All right, mate. I think uh, I think we've covered all three of them really nicely. The uh, the last thing we're going to talk about was a was a question that I got through on Twitter yesterday. Um, so whenever we're doing these podcasts, I'll try and send a tweet out, and if you guys have any questions, or even if just in general you got any questions, send them through, and we can get them answered eventually. Uh, Richard Walsh7 on Twitter says, do Neil and yourself make a conscious effort to turn over your bankroll a set number of times a month or does turnover vary greatly? You can go first, mate.
1: Yes, that's that's a really good question. Obviously, look, it's time-dependent. Let's say in an ideal world, we've got the same amount of hours every month. Um, I, I have a target of EV, so I, I don't... Um, I don't necessarily try to turn over my bankroll, um, but, but I kind of want to see, you know, how much EV I'm taking. So um, I suppose on TradeMate, it, it, it tracks things like that. So, so I can see how much kind of turnover I've had um, in, in a month. But really, I'm more focused on, you know, what value of, of EV have I taken across that month? And I try and hit that target.
0: Yeah. Um
1: More than just more than ten. I mean, I think that's something I've changed. I think in the beginning I was taking a lot of turnover and trying to get as much turnover as possible. But then I was taking, let's say, two percent edges. I was taking very skinny edges where actually I thought it's kind of going sideways. I'm not actually really benefiting much from doing that. So trying to actually kind of stake a bit more aggressively on higher edges. uh, Something we talked about before. Something that I suffered in my results was trying to do that with. uh, a bet three six five, um, where you know again some of the edges I was taking were far too skinny, and looking at the data, um, you know it, it was where I was it was kind of costing me. So I put in a huge amount of volume and turnover over a period of uh, you know four or five months, um, but got nowhere with it. So that kind of refined my thinking. That that kind of switched my thinking to actually. Well, how much EV did I actually take during that time? Because, you know, there was plenty of turnover, but ultimately no results from it. So I think that's something maybe to be careful or maybe, you know, to consider. At least that's from, from, from my experience.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair enough, mate. Uh, for myself, yeah, I track how much turnover I go through each week and month. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I've got it, I've got like a, I, I, I I don't have really any goals, but I know that like once I go below a certain number of turnover that I'm not going to make enough profit to, you know, to, to pay the bills or whatever and to grow my bankroll at the same time. So, yeah, I've definitely got goals. The, the only problem I ever have with turnover sometimes is, you know, international breaks and stuff like that where you'll just have, you know, a period of a week and a half where you'll essentially turn over nothing on football, yeah. um, which is which is very annoying. Or maybe you'll get... Uh, a couple of weeks where there's no UFC events or, or something like that. Um, and I think, I mean, I rarely go below my market. But then, you know, if 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 there is a time where you know I'm regularly going below a certain, you know, number of turnover, then maybe look at expanding and you know following or starting following a new service or, uh, or potentially just maximizing. Uh, what i already do and i mean that's 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 another great topic we could talk about because i could i would love to talk about it we just we've gone for so long it's just like you know maximizing one thing you're really good at rather than introducing new things like increasing your stakes on something but then there's a whole nother set of problems there and the fact that yeah you could have the biggest edge in the world but if you increase your stakes you know, you could just go on a terrible losing run and you've fucked your whole bankroll. But maybe that's another topic for another time, mate. But, yeah, to answer mm-hmm. Richard's question, um, yeah, we both make conscious efforts, I would say, to, yeah, tracking our turnover and making sure that, uh, yeah. I think I think a lot of people that, that follow a tipster, let's just say, that don't really know much about betting and maybe they put uh, $10 on every single one of their bets but they pay – a month let's just say and they they, I don't know how many bets they get through from this tipster but like if you're putting $10 down on every bet and and old mate's got a 10% edge it means essentially that you're you're making $1 every time you place that bet so $30 a month $10 a bet you need him to
1: put through 40 bets a month to make $10 so yeah, it really that's the thing. It? Yeah. <laughs> And there's, there's some tips, you know, who don't put out that many selections. But I think it's important to say, you know, I have followed services in the past. There was a, a horse racing service where, you know, there were some days where he was posting out like 20 selections. Uh There was a golf service, again, where there were like, you know, 30 or 40 a week and it was kind of tedious. There were like, there was a lot of turnover. But again, ultimately, that... that I think it is important to say, you know, just turnover by itself doesn't necessarily mean results. Like, you know, the edge has to still be there. But obviously if it's a small edge, you need a massive amount of turnover to, you know, to really generate something sizable from it. Um, yeah, just something to bear in mind.
0: Yeah. All right, mate. I think we've uh, we've done a pretty good job today, mate. You enjoy that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was nice. Nice to catch up. See you back in the, the hot seat.
0: Back in the hot seat, mate. No more Bammyang though. I got rid of him, mate. Yeah, unfortunately.
1: No, no funky lights, no
0: bamyang, you know. No. Dad well Reagan. I got I, I got rid of the uh what what did you call it? You thought I was in the red light district at one point when I had that new lighting system. <laughs> Marius wasn't too impressed, mate, because uh, he spent a lot of money on that lighting system and I've never used it since. So Oh
1: um, mate. Maybe we should give it away as a as a prize for for a viewer. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm
0: I don't think Murray's would enjoy that. I mean, I think he wants me to sell it and make some make a profit of it, but or not make a profit, or at least get some of the money back on that thing. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, mate, we can you can find Neil at my all life on Twitter, mybetterlife dot com. Fantastic website. Some good articles on there to uh, improve your betting. Uh, anything else you want to flog, mate?
1: No, just uh, I think I hit a thousand followers the other week, and um, yeah, oh, big I man! Of that. No, no, but then, then loads of people <laughs> left me, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, if you can follow me, so I can hit that magic thousand number again, like you know, it will make me very happy. That's huge, mate. That is huge. Well definitely. done, One mate. of my proudest achievements in life? Definitely. I know
0: you don't even use it, mate.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I know. That's why I'm so proud. You know, it's just
0: like yeah. Maybe that's the <laughs> secret. Because I feel like I would be at a 1,000 followers today if people just followed me and then I didn't tweet anything because once I tweet so much shit, people just unfollow me. So <laughs> yeah. maybe that's the strategy.
1: That's maybe that's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. The more you say, the more risk there is.
0: Definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, which I, I, I need some help there, I need to get to that 1,000 <laughs> mark and meet Neil there, at AlexBella underscore. Be tremendous. Uh, but thanks for listening, everyone uh fun to be doing a podcast again i love this format so please uh if you did enjoy the format let us know or you didn't enjoy it let us know and i can maybe come up with something different um but yeah if you did enjoy it rate and review subscribe all the good stuff and uh yeah we both use trademate sports the software itself so if you're interested in how it works to start a free week trial and um yeah start start racking up some ev mate Thanks very much. And we'll uh, we'll have to catch up soon, mate. Yeah, cheers Alex. It's been a pleasure, as always.